Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 18 of the Pegasus Podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian and I are back together in person again, recording episode 18 here. I almost like got his Twitter handle wrong, even though I've said it for 17 episodes before this and I was reading it. But I don't know. For some reason, I almost just messed it up. What were you but going to say? I don't know. I think because I just get confused because like your email is like similar, but it just doesn't have the. I'm not gonna give you. Email. I was about to say, please yeah, give out gonna, my email. I'm on not the gonna podcast. give your email on the podcast, <laughs> but your email is similar to your Twitter handle, but it's not the same. And so whenever I go in to type you type the email, I type that. I'm like, oh wait, no, that's the Twitter handle. And then so I almost just mixed them up the other way this time. So All right, I now challenge our listeners to figure out the slight differences between my. <laughs> Why don't you want to give your email out? Everybody can give you their nice thoughts about you and tell you how much they that. appreciate. I don't need you. that. I'm okay. I love you guys, and your 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 thoughts on Twitter are more than enough. So we'll just keep it there. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess no one no one can hit you up on your email. I really almost just gave it out to everyone without even thinking we would have just stopped and then gone again i, I guess so. i would have been like oh no it's out there now on this <laughs> podcast that i'm gonna edit later tonight yeah i guess it wouldn't have wouldn't have made it to publication anyway but we're gonna just get out of this whole mess of an intro because <laughs> i don't know what that was but uh today we're gonna talk about some uh aac expansion and kind of just give our thoughts on it and we thought about this like i guess about a month ago was when we first were considering talking about this when it the started whole... when, like, a Twitter account whose handle is Baby Yoda in a tuxedo was like, <laughs> I'm hearing that Boise will be joining the AAC, which it's like, good for you, Tuxedo Yoda. But oh. then it actually got us talking and got me actually looking at, like, some real sources, and that was sort of how yeah. this came about. Yeah, and with, like, the timing around the European Super League, and I'm like, thankfully that's dead and not happening, but, you know, why not? You know, I, th- I think it wouldn't work over in Europe. We've talked about that, referenced it a little bit a couple weeks ago, but this is uh, something that I think it's just different. For college football, and it, I think it would actually be pretty beneficial. And we'll get into it. Of you know, if if the AAC could expand and kind of turn into its own super league, its own like super conference out of the group of five. So we're gonna just um, get right into it. And first, I want to reference a, an article Christian wrote last summer on Night Sports Now. Um, it was when you know UCF, not UCF, when the AAC <laughs> UCF got rid of UConn. <laughs> when the when the AAC got rid of UConn, um, not really got rid. I guess UConn left the AAC. But essentially, yeah, the AAC football-wise cut the dead weight um, with UConn leaving, really not missing anything at all um, whatsoever. But Christian talked about last summer how there was kind of an opportunity for the AAC to um, act now and expand. And it was a little bit disappointing at the time that they just said, no, we're going to stick to 11 and we're not going to add any teams right now. But we're, uh, we're here to kind of fix that in everybody's heads and, and say, you know, what if they did go out and add some teams and, and kind of throw some scenarios out there and, you know, talk about whether the timing is right. And I just, first I'm going to bring in Christian and, and just what are your th- overall thoughts on expansion and why would it be so beneficial? Well, it's a double-edged sword and we will get into that. But I, I, I mean, the one thing that I feel like, let me preface all of this before we even get into the AAC by saying UCF fans are not going to like this, but... You preface a lot of things with that. Yeah, because I, I just sort of say things that are true, and some people don't like stuff that's true. That's true. But I, I, there's a, always the common thing. Like, I, it's been going around on Twitter a lot this week because this week was when we found out like what the conference payout allotments were to all their teams. And of course, I think UCF got five million and change from the AAC uh, this past year. Which you know, and then you look at the Power Five, and it's like fifty million, forty million, and it's like wow, that's just. But then everyone always sees that, and they're like, man, this is why like 
we have to go to the Big 12. This is why, like, once we get to the Big 12, once we're Power 5, and so on and so forth, which I get the sentiment of that. But, like, there's there's this, like, hypothetical world that Group of Five fans kind of live in where the Power 5 conferences are just going to decide to take more Group of Five teams. I don't think that's coming. I mean, you look at the last crazy wave of realignment, which was, like, that 2009 to 2013 stretch where mm. stuff just was crazy. The world is different then. I mean, the like, the Big Ten did not add Maryland and Rutgers because they wanted to improve their football product <laughs> or their basketball product. They were added because they were in the New York City and Washington, D.C. TV markets, which were, in the cable era, incredibly valuable yeah. and put the Big Ten network in those cities and increased the value of their new contract, ESPN. Cable is, like, dying quickly. We're moving into the era of streaming. and In UC- case you didn't know. <laughs> in case you didn't know. I, I mean, and UCF's... Arguably, UCF's biggest advantage was they were in Orlando, which was a great TV market, versus Boise, who was in, you know, Boise, (laughs) um, or other teams like that. That advantage means less by the year. It doesn't mean nothing right now, but it means less by the year. And more so, there's just no, like, the only time that group up in the modern era that group of five teams have been accepted into the Power Five was TCU and Utah. That's it. And neither of those were a, a Power 5 team saying, we're, we're, we're looking to add like a nice group of five team to come join us at the party and take some of our money. It was that crazy wave of realignment where TCU decided to bolt for the Big East because the Big 12 was like borderline falling apart with Nebraska and Colorado bolting. Mm-hmm. And then the Pac-12, it was the same thing where the Big 12 tried to absorb them at one point. They, their membership changed and they ended up having to grab Utah. So, or I had it reversed my head. I'm sorry. The Pac-12 tried to poach the Big 12 at that point. And you can read all about it. was a whole thing. The Pac-12 was going to go become the Pac-16 with Texas and all these teams. But anyway, in the fallout of that not working, they just had to grab a team, and it ended up being Utah. There's no—I know I'm just rambling on this now, but like I just don't—this hypothetical scenario we keep making of when the Big 12 decides, I don't think that window's there. So I think a more productive use of our time would be to look at ways to elevate the AAC because I just don't see a time coming where the Big 12 is just like, yeah, sure, UCF, come split our money one extra way that we're already keeping for ourselves. Well, yeah, and that's that's a good word to use is elevate the AAC because if you, you know if you look at it, and we're we're speaking mostly to football right now, and maybe we'll get into some of the other sports later, but with with football, the AAC has gotten better, you know, in recent years, and I, I think it's still going to continue to get better. But at the same time, why not? You know, if, if no other none of the big and the Power Five conferences are gonna you know strike for expansion right now, why not take it upon yourself to you know elevate yourself, elevate yourself at your your status as a conference. And go and get some of the better, you know, better teams from other conferences that maybe, like a Boise State, what isn't ex- extremely happy in the Mountain West. Um, and go ahead and, and do that, and at that point, you know, you get yourself up to. And we'll get into some scenarios here, but you can get get yourself up to 14, 16 teams, and you know, kind of create that that you know, it's just something new, something different that you've got some bigger brands, and you know, the the middle tier of the AAC maybe becomes even like the, the bottom tier, but then you're also adding to the top of the tier. You're just, you're just adding a lot of talent, uh, not just talent, but you're like adding a lot of value um, in some of the brands that could potentially be added. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a proactive thing that you can do as a conference to take yourself to the next level when, you know, you've been trying to push this power six thing as the conference is right now for how many years now. And, you know, it's hasn't caught on. It hasn't, you know, no one's really looking at the the American, you know, it is, I think everybody can agree that it's far and above, you know, everything else in the group of five, but no one is looking at it as an equal to the power five. 
Well, that's what. That's why that's that. And first off, it, this isn't like it's not like Bailey and I just sat down and said, "Wait a minute, the AAC should expand." Yeah. I mean, it's gonna happen. When UConn left, the plan. I know Oresco had his public talking points privately. The plan was never to remain at eleven teams long term. It just didn't make sense. It never made sense. They were always gonna find a twelfth team or maybe a thirteenth and fourteenth. That was always what was gonna happen. And the thing about the AAC, like you just said, is th- there's no debate on this or like hashing it out you can look at whatever metrics you want you can look at okay let's look at near six bowls the ac in the group of five era where they have a bid the ac is five of the seven bids and even the year before that ucf went and won the uh, fiesta bowl so there's no like numbers to crunch the aac is just a much better conference than the rest of the group of five top to bottom and that's acknowledged nationally Mm. but the truth that Again, I know that like it, we don't like to say, but is true is that the AAC is not as good as the majority of the Power Five. I think they could match up with the Pac-12 at this point, or yeah. honestly, maybe the ACC. The ACC is nothing outside of Clemson, but it, it's just not. It, it's just simply not on the same level. Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to kind of uh, correct that I said was that you know it's not looked at like that, but it, it that's the thing. It's just perception, perception wise, it's not viewed on the same playing field. But when you actually look at the conferences top to bottom. The AAC is, you know, just as good, if not better, than the Pac-12 and the ACC right now. And where but, you get into there, I mean, the difference, because I don't want UCF fans to take this away, like, oh my god, Christian said the AAC sucks. The top of the AAC is as good as the top of anywhere. It, the difference is once you start getting down. The AAC has more definitely the Group of Five conferences, but, like, when you get to the middle tier of the AAC, it's, like, Tulane, mm-hmm. Tulsa, Temple. When you compare that to the middle tier of, like, the Big Ten, which is, like, Indiana, Iowa, like, it, it that's where it's the depth of the conference, which is what you don't have yet. Yeah, and I, I think that's where you kind of give yourself a chance to have that depth if you, you go ahead and expand. And, you know, I, I think we both agree that there's not a lot of negatives to this idea. I mean, we will get into. There's one that, that, that there's a there are there are there there are a couple that you okay. can technically say. But so, so I'm, I'm I want to give you some information okay. that's out there right now. So I just want to bring you guys to a timeline. So the one I'm going to make a prediction right now, and you guys can feel free to give this back to me when I'm right in a couple years. <laughs> Boise State is going to end up in the AAC, and I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. They've been. I'll give you the, the, a bit of the timeline here, but they've been sort of flirting with each other for like over a year now. And that stuff has largely come out. So this is all just, I'm going to just run this through really quickly. This all started because Boise State has not been happy with the Mountain West. They feel like its brand has fallen off. They feel like there's not enough competition there for them, which is kind of funny because it's like they win the conference every year, but enough competition (laughs) there for that conference to elevate itself. They've been frustrated with the AAC's success. And the biggest thing, I know UCF fans aren't big on Mike Oresco, but Mike Oresco vigorously promotes the AAC. I mean, that's a big thing. He reaches out to media. He's nonstop about Power Six, about the game group five. To an obnoxious point. To an sometimes. obnoxious point sometimes. Maybe most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and in 2018, I don't know if you remember when UCF was cruising through its undefeated season, Boise State had one loss the whole year. And they were going 9-1, one They eventually got to 12-1. and And they just weren't in the New Year's Six conversation, which for them is a whole new world. And... There was, I know the Idaho State's been reported on it, Yahoo and CBS eventually reported on it, that, the Boi- that Boise State kind of went to the Mountain West and was like, look at what Oresco's saying about UCF and saying about his teams, why won't you even go on the record about us? Like, we can't win a PR battle if we're not even in the battle. Yeah. And then there became resentment with some of the other uh, Mountain West teams because then last year, the Mountain West was getting a new TV contract. And this is actually hilarious, I don't know how many people realize this. Boise State gets more money from its TV contract than the other Mountain West teams. That was part of the deal of them not bolting to the Big East was they just get more money. And when the Mountain West was signing its new TV deal this past year, they said, oh, and we're going to stop that. You're all going to be even now. <laughs> Which you can debate whether or not it's fair for Boise State to throw a hissy fit about having to be on an even playing field with other yeah. Mountain West teams, but that upset them too. 
And then it came out within the last year that they were talking to the AAC. So Boise State's old coach, Brian Harson, who just left for Auburn, this is an email that was public records requested that he sent to his athletic director. He's t- he, and the whole point of the email was to say that Boise State needs to leave the Mountain West. Now is the time. Now in all caps and with an exclamation point. So you know he really meant it. <laughs> the longer it takes, the longer we stay in the Mountain West. I am 1,000% convinced we need to make this move for football, and if that means other sports too in the long run, it will be what's best for this university. I understand there are risks and budgets and travel costs. That's all real to me. I also know that's exactly why Boise State is the program it is today, because we took risks necessary to grow our program. The And then in those same email chains, Boise State's old AD, who also just left, openly admitted he'd been having conversations with other conferences. So what's happened since then is obviously they both left, so it's like, well, where does that leave things? Boise State's new AD, who was hired in January, said a month ago that He's been having, quote, informal conversations about conference realignment. Since then, Yahoo Sports has reported that both Boise State and San Diego State have had a continuing dialogue with the AAC. So regardless of what we think is best, I at this point, it's going to happen. I don't think it happens like within the next few months they announce anything, but right. I, I long-term Boise State's going to end up in this conference. Yeah. And so... I mean, I don't know if you want to just get into scenarios. You want to break down pros and cons first. I don't know because well, let me explain what I think is going to happen. Okay. Because the other thing is, it's not like so. First off, Boise State's not just going to join and then we'll be like, great, we're at twelve. Boise yeah. State's not going to just be like, that's cool. We'll travel two thousand miles for yeah, every single for game. Every game. <laughs> um, someone's going to have to come with them. Probably two teams. Obviously, if San Diego, I, I actually I don't mean to brag, but I just again and just getting proven right because in my article from last year, yeah. I talked about San Diego State as a potential team, and now San Diego State's talking to the AAC. I think that the AAC will go to fourteen teams. Okay. Boise, San Diego State, and I think BYU. The other thing that I was prophetic about was in that article, um, I talked about how BYU's biggest issue is that as long as they're an independent, they're not eligible for the Group of Five New Year's Six bid, and that's going to hurt them. Then this year, they <laughs> were great and didn't lose a game until late in the year, and even when they were undefeated, they never got higher than 14th, or 13th, excuse me, in, in the college football playoff rankings, which this year with the auto bids, you would have needed to be like nine. Yeah. To get so they just weren't the conversation. So that's the motivation for them. And what bowl did they go to? I don't. I don't remember what bowl they went to. I don't think they played in a bowl no, actually. Yeah, me um, <clears throat> I think they just uh, finished their season and uh, did not play <laughs> um, a team that we covered. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, remember. Maybe they lost. Who knows? I didn't watch the game. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think that that's what I, I genuinely think that's your most likely scenario is that those three teams end up in the American within the next couple of years. Okay. Now let me give you what the divisions would be. This is where I get. This is where we're going to talk pros and cons, because these would be the divisions. So your East division of the new AAC, and this is just alphabetical, not in order of like team talent or anything. Cincinnati, East Carolina, Memphis, Navy, Temple, South Florida, UCF. That's a ridiculous division. That's a ridiculous. You think that division is ridiculous? (laughs) Let's go to the West division. Boise State, BYU, Houston, San Diego State, SMU, Tulane, Tulsa. Yeah. Both of those divisions by themselves are better than any of the rest of the group <laughs> of five. You've got five teams in the conference that will have played a New Year's Six Bowl just in the playoff era. You will have nine teams that have been in the top 25 in the playoff era. UCF's division alone, you've got four teams that have been ranked at some point in the last two years to end a season. I mean, that's... Yeah. So that so the, 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 the double-edged sword here is, on one side, that conference... It's not like, look, it's not like UCF adds those teams and the Power Five goes, wow, you guys really pulled it together. Here's an auto bid and forty million more dollars every. Like that's not the way that works. But you could absolutely, basically, use uh, not UCF. The AAC would be able to claim an auto uh, New Year's Six bid more years often than not. 
even if it's only a group of five auto bid. Mike Oresco's big thing right now, according to the Athletic, is he's pitching the playoff committee on expansion. Don't d- no group of five auto bid. Just give us one. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want to have to worry about letting the whole party, and that's fine. Just give one to the AAC, which that's not going to happen now. But it's more it's more possible if he comes at you and says, "Hey, we just added Boise State, BYU, and San Diego State. We yeah. all, any team that you're gonna put in a New Year's Six Bowl is in our conference anyway." Yeah. So that changes things. But the flip side of it is that's a really, really, really tough conference. And then you worry about cannibalization. I mean, UCF's not going 12-0 on that schedule. I don't think anyone is. No, no. And and that would kind of be – it would get to the point where is the CFP going to say, okay, we've got – which, wow, we've just completely reversed from 2017 where UCF goes about how hard being undefeated is and that's what matters. Because now we'd be going, you have – say you have UCF. So let me give you, like, what UCF's conference slate would be in an average year. I just picked a random two crossovers. So, like, uh, and this is, again, just alphabetical, non-order of games. You could easily have a slate of at Boise State, East Carolina, at Cincinnati, Memphis, at Navy, Temple, at South Florida, SMU. Yeah, I mean, that's three, that's three like, top-tier games, plus at least, like, two or three more that are are going to be tough games. Yeah, so There's what happens... not that many gimmies there. No, so let's say that UCF goes 10-2 and two on that. Yeah. And wins the conference and is at eleven and two versus a thirteen and zero Sun Belt team. What are we going to do? Are we going to come out and say, "Well, you know, <laughs> we played the tougher schedule, yeah. so we should be in"? Is that going to be that much of a role reversal? I mean, so that, I'm curious. What you, is it worth it to elevate the conference that much when you are just going to have to live in a world where undefeated might not be attainable anymore for a lot of these teams? Yeah, that's where it does get tough because you're you, you know you can say as much as you want, and I, I think if the the strength of schedule metrics like help you and they actually agree that like yes you went 10 and 2 and that's around like the same kind of strength of schedule as a 9 and 3 10 and 2 you know I don't know big 10 team then you're getting into like the conversation where okay you can get a you know better bowl games better you know better access to those but yeah you're putting yourself in a weird position with you know no team is you know it's very very rare if it's going to happen at all for a team to go undefeated against a schedule like that and it's on the flip side for a lot of teams outside of you know this super AAC. It's going to be just it's going to be easier, I would think, with with their strength of schedule to go undefeated. You know, I, like I've said multiple times, it's hard to go undefeated against any schedule, but still, it's it's easier when you're not playing any you know quality teams. Exactly. So that's the thing is, is it's going to be much easier, I think, for those teams that aren't in this big AAC. And for the AAC teams, yeah, you're going to have to worry about cannibalizing itself because that's what we see sometimes in the SEC. The SEC, though, gets the benefit of the doubt because they're just such a, you know, they're longstanding and they have so much, um, so much of a track record that if you go 10-2 and in the SEC or even 9-3 and in the SEC, you're going to end up in sometimes a, a New Year's Six game. 9-3 and LSU with yeah. what UCF played. And that's the exact comparison I want to make. Is all like The AAC right now is already the SEC of the group of five. That's not just like my take. That's a no, yeah. national media. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is precedent for this. At people, It's like you always forget about the path not taken or the games that didn't work out a different way. But in 2019, when Cincinnati and Memphis were playing for the conference championship, Cincinnati went to that game 10-2. and And the playoff committee basically straight up said if Cincinnati wins that game, they'll get the bid over 12-1 and Boise State. That was that was 11. So that was where a lot of the Boise State animosity originally came from because the mm-hmm. rankings were set up that Boise State was sandwiched between Cincy and Memphis. So if Cincy beat Memphis, they would have hopped Boise State, yeah. who was playing, I think, a, a Hawaii. They were playing Hawaii that year, who I think was like 9-4 and four or something. Yeah. So that's already there. If that is what this will be, if the playoff committee or whoever, what whatever power is in charge at that point looks at that conference and says, we acknowledge how difficult that schedule is, then this is great. But at the same time, a lot of times, and it's been changing in recent years thanks to teams like UCF and Memphis and Cincinnati, 
a lot of times people just look at the group of five as the group of five. Yeah. It's not like the power five where, well, the SEC has this strengths and the Big Ten is good and the Pac-12 is not. It's just kind of like, well, those are the group of five teams. And they all just play group of five schedules, so it's whatever. Yeah. Because the AAC adding those three teams, that would be like, the power five equivalent would be the SEC being like, we've added Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Oregon to, mm-hmm. to our conference. That's legitimately what it would be. And you know if that happened, you'd have SEC teams going like seven and five, ranked like 15. Yeah. But it's just... I mean, we see that in like sports like basketball and stuff, too. Yeah. They're, like, they're just over 500 in the conference, and they're you know top 20 team just because of how tough their conference is. Every year is. in the tournament, teams that lose... The, like, mid-majors that lose their conference tourney games and are, like, 25 and 5 mm-hmm. don't get picked over, like, 17 and 15 teams yeah. and stuff like <laughs> that. I mean, it's constant. But I, I just... So that... It, like, you look at... I don't know. I think perceptions of conference really go by the top of the conference, and that's my other mm-hmm. concern. Because you look at, like... Okay, look at the Big 12 and look at the Pac-12 right now. Is there really a difference in how that those conferences are performing as a whole other than that Oklahoma's good enough to go to the playoff every year? No. I mean, no. They, I, I, Iowa State went to the Fiesta Bowl and they got beat up on by Louisiana. But no one cares because Oklahoma's good. So is it more advantageous for a conference to be top-heavy? Or is it more advantageous to have depth all the way through? Because some people on the West Coast might just make the argument that the Pac-12 is just a very deep conference. And you don't have teams win out. It's not true, but they can yeah. make that argument. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's just, it, yes, the AAC would be a ridiculously good conference with those teams. I think you add those teams and you are better than the Pac-12 right now. You're better than the ACC outside Clemson. But will that be acknowledged? Yeah, that's that's where I think you have to take a little bit of a risk. And it's, you know, yes, you're setting yourself up for this this super AAC. And it's like really, you know, ridiculous, the ridiculous just depth of that conference um, by adding these teams, but you're going to probably have to take some hits maybe in the first few years of it while everything works itself out and you start to get that respect and start to get that recognition on a, on a national uh, level. Because, yeah, I think there's going to be some growing pains early on where people are like, oh, it's still, it's just a group of five. You're going to have to earn that a couple, you know, for a few years. It's going to have to be, um, you know, some top competition going on in the conference and you're going to have to continue to prove that, hey, this is a, this is a top of the line um, top of the line competitions going on here, and it's yeah. I mean, it may, may take a few years for that to actually be acknowledged, and for the the depth and the actual like strength of the conference to be acknowledged by you know whoever is in in power in terms of deciding the the playoff. But what? But that's my thing is when does that get acknowledged? Because you look at the last few years for the AAC, like from UCF's Peach Bowl win to now, the AAC, the how that conference is perceived is very different nationally. Mm-hmm. It's now widely acknowledged as the best group of five. Like, by a good margin. It's still not considered Power 5, but people understand it's in a gray area more than before. It's just the group of five conferences. That didn't happen because Tulane went from a 2-10 and 10 team to a 7-5 and five team yeah. or because Temple started having eight-win seasons or because Memphis got sacked together. It happened because UCF won the Peach Bowl and then Memphis went to the Cotton Bowl. I, I, it, so it's like, it seems like those... I mean, you really look at where the AAC got, AAC got the ball rolling and... AAC fans who aren't UCF fans, who I assume aren't really listening to this podcast, <laughs> won't like this even though it's true. The big moment for the AAC wasn't UCF beating Auburn. It was not UCF beating Auburn. It was not UCF going undefeated the next year. It was when Cincinnati beat UCF in 2019. Because that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Yeah. And then suddenly Cincinnati has the credit. And then what happens? An undefeated Memphis beats Cincinnati. And then suddenly you've got this, it, it suddenly looks like this very deep, yeah. Very powerful. Like, that was the season, 2019, yeah. where people really started talking about the depth of the AAC versus UCF. Yeah, because it wasn't just, oh, yeah, it's this conference is UCF deep. It's at least three teams deep just because they're all, you know, they're all obviously, they're beating each other and they're playing at such a high level. 
and yeah, I don't know how long it would take. I don't know. I think that's part of the the big risk that you're taking here if, if you're deciding to do this is, you know, you don't know what perception, you can't predict what perception is going to be. I think the, the good thing that you, you can kind of hang on to is that people are going to view this as ambitious and they're going to say, okay, you know, you're, you're upping the, the competition in your conference. You know, you're adding, if, if you want to say, oh yeah, UCF doesn't play a good schedule. Well, they just added Boise State, BYU and San Diego State to the schedule. You can't really say that anymore. And I know, yeah, yeah, sure, there's still group of five teams, whatever, but those are the top group of five teams, and those are teams that have had a lot of success in recent years, and they're, they're you know, proven track records. So I don't know how long it would take, but I think that you just have to probably trust and stay on the, the path that it's eventually going to get to that point where you're going to get that respect and you're going to kind of have that credit for being such a tough conference. I, you know, maybe, maybe you do deal with a few years of, you know, non-AAC teams making the, the New Year's Six games, but... Then, you know, I, this opens up in a, a whole different uh, web of just, I don't know if you want to call them cons, but just changes to the way college football and the way AAC goes. Because right now everyone's concerned about UCF, you know, adding a lot to their non-conference schedule and playing these tough teams. If you're playing a Boise State every year and you're playing a BYU every year, are you really going to want to go out and add, you know, the top, top, you know, you might stay, stick with the same thing that you're doing where you're playing the middle slash bottom tier power five teams rather than needing to go out and get the big fish and play those huge Power 5 teams, Power five games. It's going to change scheduling. It's going to change a lot, I think, about the way these schools or these programs approach things. And that's the problem that we're running into here is there are still a lot of fans. And you know what? You notice it. You notice a little biases in yourself. We're guilty of it, too. I mean, lots of national people, they just sort of perceive, they see that label Power 5, and that just it yeah. literally means more. I mean, you, you look at when UCF beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl, no one was saying, wow, they beat top 25 Memphis twice, one of which was a blowout. Wow, they beat top 25 USF, who's mm-hmm. who I think at that point was like 21-3 and three in their last two yeah. seasons. No, it was, well, they, the only Power 5 team they played was 4A Maryland. They, you just look at the schedule, and they just gravitate to the P5 yeah. label. So I don't know, because you're right, I don't they think... They ducked Georgia Tech or whatever. They, they ducked Georgia... <laughs> I'm so glad... Oh, man, I'm going to want to rant now. Freaking Georgia Tech, for three years for three years, believed that UCF ducked them. They believed that UCF conjured a hurricane out of the ocean. <laughs> Can't get ourselves into the college football playoff, but we control the weather. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm just so happy that UCF blew at Georgia Tech. I've never seen... We say a lot. We talked about this with Missouri last week. There's just a lot of like mid-tier Power 5 teams that aren't good at football that for some reason think they're better than UCF. And I think it was funny, too, because it was like... Not even not even an argument that this was the worst UCF team in the last four years. Without a doubt. And it it steamrolled. Georgia it wasn't Tech. even a contest. Yeah, it wasn't even like you know, I know it got close a little bit there in the second half, but it really wasn't throughout the whole game a very close game. So it makes no yeah, sense. It's just funny the perception of, of some of these fan bases. <laughs> but I do want to talk about some other technical things about this conference we've put which like I said, the only one I'm taking a little bit of liberty with is BYU. Yeah. <laughs> liberty, that's another school that uh, <laughs> wants to get in a conference that UCF will not be adding. Um, but there have been reports out of BYU in the past that they wouldn't mind joining the AAC, but it hasn't been as concrete as what we see mm. with Boise State, State, State. But either way, you have those three teams. I think the first off thing to remember is that the media reaction would be positive. I mean, people, I think even Power 5 fans, they wouldn't be like, whoa, they're better than our conference now. But yeah. they'd be like, oh, wow, that's a really, really good conference. That's a lot. That's a lot of, because also, like, look how much hype there is for UCF and Boise State to play each other's a non-conference that's, game. Yeah. Then suddenly those are conference games, and Every you've got year. a bunch of them. You've got Cincinnati, Boise State. You've got BYU, Memphis, all these great games. Um, the other thing I want to say is that from what I've read about Boise State, the big holdup and debate with them and the AAC originally was Boise State was like, and of course we'll bring all our other teams. And AAC was like, no, we're not going to have all our teams. <laughs> so, and what that uh, 
email that came out from their coach talked about was, and apparently they talked about being in contact with the West Coast Conference and putting their teams in the West Coast Conference. Um, and then just putting, uh, BYU obviously would be football only. San Diego yeah. State would probably be football only. When they were going to join the Big East, that was the model. So these are these are really, this is just affecting the football product. Okay, yeah. But I think the other big thing is that this does dramatically increase the value of their TV contract. That's the other big plus here. I know that even though the AAC makes a lot more money than the other group of five conferences, fans aren't super after the TV contract because I know of the way it was set up and just that it's still far short of the Power Five. And it's not like you add these teams and they're like, wow, $40 million a year. Here yeah. you go. But you, right now, I think the average is going to end up being about $7 million is what's supposed to go to teams. You could easily put that, push that to 10 11 12 which gets you more in that direction. And over time, as you continue to build these brands up, it becomes more valuable. So, there, so regardless of what the perception is, there would be more money there in the short term, which yeah. is obviously at the end of the day, that's what it, it, it's what it's a chain reaction. It feeds on itself. Yeah, and that's that's where I think you know I talked about it being a big a bit of a risk when you're waiting for this perception to change, but that lessens the risk when you have an increase in in revenue. And like you just mentioned, you know the the, the hype behind UCF and Boise State to kick off this season. That if that becomes a, a game every year, if it's you know Cincinnati, Boise State, you're talking about BYU, Cincinnati, BYU, Memphis, those kind of games are going to become, you know, big deals each year. And it's just going to generate, I think, even more interest. And it's going to, I think that's going to raise the profile of the conference itself. Just the, because, I mean, I don't know. We talk about how no one views, and it's true, no one really views the, the AAC as, or any group of five as, like, you know, on the same level. But remember back in, in 2017, the UCF-USF, the War on I-4 game, how many people were watching that? Like, oh, this was the best game of the year. You know, this is the best college football It was named the best yeah. non-playoff game of the year. Yeah, and I think it was better. I mean, I don't remember. The playoff that year was the two, like the walk-off touchdown pass, wasn't it? But I still think it was the best. I still think overall it was the best game. Of- uh, it was behind that, when ESPN does the rankings of the yeah. year, it was behind that, and it was the Rose Bowl, which, oh, which, which was, was great. That Oklahoma It was Oklahoma and Georgia and, going yeah, overtime. That, that was a great game. game. Um, but but so, either way, there, thousands of games get played every year. And yeah. It's, you know. And when you had that one on Black Friday where, you know, people, there aren't a ton of games on Black Friday, and that was the game that I think people were, were tuned into. They're like, oh, wow, this is like, this is a, exceptional. This is good quality football, and it's a, it's a fun game. So so I want to give you a stat really quickly, yeah. and this is courtesy of Black and Gold Banneret because they have that very, very useful um, article of all of UCF's viewership uh, numbers. Yeah. Games. I think Eric Lopez puts it together. If you guys are ever wondering just who, how many people watch UCF games, go check out that list. It's awesome. Eric's great with that stuff. Yeah, he really is. Um, and softball, if you yeah. saw his tweets <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that stuff. Um, so the UCF versus USF 2017 War on I-4 was the fourth most viewed UCF game of all time. On ABC, 4.7 million people watched it. That's... So, And that's a whole other debate that I want to get into eventually. I want to talk about the UCF-USF dynamic and why, <laughs> I, and why, unlike most UCF fans, I think it's bad for UCF that they're down. But either way, there's an appetite for good football against good teams. You look yeah. at this past year, I think most if you ask even average college football fans what was the most memorable regular season game from this year, a lot might say Clemson Notre Dame. A lot are going to say Coastal Carolina BYU. That that Mormons versus Mormons. Yeah. That I mean that game was like a I mean a big deal and it's just it because was. people will just watch good entertaining football especially when you can get the big thing is getting that little number next to their names. Yeah. If a couple matchups just break the right way cuz we talk about with 2019, that's how it worked for the AAC is UCF had a number next to its name. Cincinnati beats them and gets the number. Then Memphis beats them and gets the number, and suddenly you have three teams with a number next to their name. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's just, yeah, you're taking a risk because you're going to make a conference very tough, and you have to hope it the perception matches the toughness. But if it works, it's a huge, huge payoff. And I think it will. Just be, And maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe it'll take a little bit of time. But I think um, Boy, just Boise State by itself, if you just added Boise State, I think that would attract a lot of eyes because people know Boise State as, you know, on the same level as UCF in terms of uh, the group of five. And 
you know, obviously BYU has had, you know, this past year was very successful and has had some success in recent years. And, you know, I think San Diego State itself is maybe one of the more underrated programs out of the group of five. And so, you know, just if you look at them each individually and then add them all as a group and you're looking at a 14-team conference with this much firepower, yeah, I think the, the perception will eventually – and I think pretty quickly, just this is me just like taking a, a guess and just kind of projecting how it would go. I think it would be pretty quick. You know, you're, you're kind of gambling on whether, you know, how quick it'll be and, you know, if it'll ever happen. But I think, you know, personally, I, w- I would say that pretty soon, you know, you're going to get some of those big matchups and people are going to, people are going to tune in and they're going to kind of say, okay, wow, they, you know, they've raised their profile and raised themselves to a completely new level. And I, I guess, like, I'm just trying to think about it. I, obviously, we come at this from a UCF perspective. I grew up as a UCF fan. Which I even think about how different things are from when I was a kid. Because, like, I remember when I would go to UCF games, it was actually more peaceful in some ways. Because, like, <laughs> growing up going to UCF games, like, nothing we really did or that happened in the games really, like, had an impact on or was affected by what was happening in national college football. Yeah. So it was almost like separate sports for me. There was the big college football and there was watching UCF <laughs> play Marshall and stuff. But that's so different now. And the AAC is so different now. And I just think that people want to watch names play names. I mean, that's why even in a year where they both sucked, people went and watched Michigan and Penn State. I mean, and UCF, for better or worse, is a name. Memphis and Cincinnati are now names. Boise State's been a name for 15 years. BYU has one of the biggest fan bases in the country. You you throw those names in a hat and suddenly they're all playing each other. Regardless of the records, in some cases, people are going to tune in. And that's where that starts. So... That, that's, to me, is uh, – it's doable. Yeah, and that's where it starts, and I think that's where you can – you just, I guess, have to hope a little bit that other teams in the AAC, the current AAC, are going to step up a little bit too. Like, you would uh, you would think that eventually USF is going to be back at a competitive level, and if you add USF in, into this – you know, I know everybody likes to take their shots at USF, but I think that would be exciting too, you know, to have another Florida team – you know, of course, the Warren I four would mean more every year if, if both teams were good, like they were in twenty seventeen. You've and got then, multiple AC. USF is down right now. USF's had a history of being good. Um, SMU. SMU's had not even necessarily down right now. And but they're they're, they're actually not, back up yeah. for the first time in decades, and they've been good. East Carolina used to be very good. They've got the fan base too. Time. They've got a great fan base. Navy goes up and down, but always yeah. pops off for good. I mean, Temple. It, Temple's Temple, another one. That, Temple's had multiple ten win seasons in yeah. the last few years. I mean, they hosted game day against Notre Dame and lost <laughs> by a touchdown a few years ago. I mean, there. That's the thing about the AAC that differentiates it from the rest of the group of five is every single program has some form of history and some form of success, many of which in the last few years. Yeah, and I think that's where if some of those teams start to raise, you know, raise their level of play, then you're looking at even more, even more of like a super conference. But I think just in general, there's the adding that that kind of firepower to the existing top tier of the AAC is going to grab a lot of attention. And I want to bring up another thing that I think could benefit the AAC that the Athletic uh, reported on this, and I went and read, read about it. It's one of those like wink wink things that isn't like official, but people are kind of know it's going to happen. So, for those of you who don't remember, if you're sort of newer to college football, up until uh, what year was it? When did all the realignment stuff happen? I think it was up through 2012. There were 11 FBS conferences. Mm. There was the Western Athletic Conference, which I don't know if people realize that was the conference Boise had all its success in. They were in the whack, and it was when they went to the Mountain West. That obviously, they've still been good for the last decade, but like the New Year's Six Bowls weren't coming in droves. They weren't finishing fourth or whatever. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of notable teams in that conference back in the day. Most of them are in the Mountain West now. Some are in Conference USA. The conference collapsed. Um, so the conference is coming back at the FCS level starting next season. And I was just, I read about that at the time. I was like, that's good. It's a name, whatever. 
The Athletic and a few other sites are like, well, their goal is to move to FBS. They want to establish at the FCS level for a few years and then move the entire conference to FBS. So I want to run you the list of teams that we're going to be getting some new FBS teams in the, in the next few years here. They, they had like a five-year plan, essentially. Okay. So Abilene Christian, Abilene Christian? Abilene. A Abilene, okay. Central Arkansas, which is good, I think. Uh, Dixie State, Eastern Kentucky, Jacksonville State. Lamar, Sam Houston State, which just won the uh, FCS championship, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Stephen F. Austin. I said I believe like I didn't watch the game. <laughs> uh, Stephen F. Austin, Tar Tarleton State, Southern Utah, and UTRGV. I don't... Okay. A lot of acronyms. There's a lot. There was a lot of names in there that I did not recognize. That's because we don't watch FCS football. Right. But, uh, <laughs> they were, uh, hey, I didn't recognize the name Liberty until a couple years ago. But, um, so here's my thing is if those are happening concurrently, which would help things match up they kind of could where the AAC is adding all these teams and then a new group of five team is joining the mix or group of five conference I guess it would be group of six at that point yeah no one is going to look at this group of FCS teams they were just hearing of and then look at UCF Cincinnati Memphis BYU and Boise State and be like ah those that's are the, the same. same yeah that's the same so that I think literally having another really bad conference in the mix <laughs> could just naturally because then you have the power five the group of five and the AAC people are going to naturally associate the AAC yeah. More, all the brands they've heard of with the Power Five than with Tarleton State and UTRC, whatever that last one was. Yeah, R2-D2. R2-D2 State. So, wow, we're being very mean to whatever that school is. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's all the opportunity that I had to take it. But I think that that, <coughs> excuse me, I think that that plays a big role is just having another conference coming in and then just, it's just another way for the AAC to differentiate itself from the rest of the group five, which is what this is all about at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think just in general, because... It's weird how stable things have kind of been recently, just because since the last round of all the realignment and everything, kind of people have just kind of gotten used to the way things are, and I guess that's how it always goes, is that there's kind of just a little bit of a dead period after, but you, know, you talked earlier about how when you were growing up, you know, going to UCF games, I grew up in Tampa, and I was going to USF games, and when they were in the Big East, and it was, you know, as different as it was, as it can be, possibly, you know, they were playing... Top twenty-five matchups against West Virginia, Rutgers, and you know, Rutgers the Big East was a power conference. Yeah, that's and that's what that's what I think this this you know potential super AAC conference. I don't know if we're calling. It, I keep calling it the super conference, the super AAC. I just like the word super in there. I like but, AAC plus. AAC plus. Um, I just said also earlier. I said the big AAC. Which we're gonna add another <laughs> another big conference. Oh, we have to make that <laughs> the, the name. Big, the, the big, big AAC. AAC. But I think this big AAC super AAC conference. How would you compare it to that Big East conference? The way things were, the way things were, I guess, I don't know, 07, 08, 09. I, it's got to be better, right? No, the Big I mean, East, no, the AAC is better now than the Big East was there. You think so? Absolutely. Go look at so, the AAC, or the Big East, excuse me. What, they're the same conference, so of course it makes their names together. And that's just not me. I read uh, one of the state of the programs last year for UCF that The Athletic does. Half this podcast is just me talking about what I read on The Athletic. Great you guys website. need, yeah, subscribe you guys to, need the to subscribe to The Athletic. They have so much info. A coach who, who was anonymous who coached in both the Big East and the AAC said there's no comparison between the talent levels. The AAC is a much better conference than the Big East. The Big East was, by the time, you, you have to remember, USF was coming in to replace when Miami and Virginia Tech right. were leaving. That conference was garbage. It was like Rutgers and Pitt Well, that's the thing. But like, Syracuse, looking, looking these back, teams that aren't good. Looking back at the time, though, that's when those programs were probably at their best. But what was, was the like best West for Rutgers? Virginia, like 8-4? and four? Yeah, 8-4, and 9-4, and four, I think. But... They also had West Virginia. Pitt was having some pretty good seasons, I think. They also had Louisville in there. So, I mean, it was it was different than I thought. Like, I think that's the thing. Is I felt, growing up, it was like, oh, this is like a big-time conference. These are, you know, at the time, Pitt, 
uh, I guess West Virginia still is, but Pitt, Louisville, Rutgers, those were like the bigger, those were bigger to me. I was like, oh, that's big time college football. But you look at them now and it's just like so different. Well, let's look at, so 2007, so in case any of you listening did not know, in 2007, South Florida was number two in the country for a week. Don't worry about what happened after that. And uh, yeah, just don't worry about how they, <laughs> you know, literally collapsed after that. That was four straight. They lost three straight. Three they straight. got to number two and said, what if we just don't win anymore? Um, they were like, we did it. We've reached the mountaintop. We're done. So the conference, there were only eight teams in the conference that year. West Virginia, UConn, which of course UConn's always great. Cincinnati, weren't South they better Florida, back then though? They be were better fair. back then, but they weren't great. No, they, they went great. to the Fiesta Bowl with an eight and four record one year. So your conference was West Virginia, UConn, Cincinnati, South Florida, Rutgers, Louisville, Pitt, Syracuse. Yeah, they had two ten win teams. They had eleven and two West Virginia and ten and three Cincinnati, and then they had a bunch of teams in that like eight win range. Yeah, that's not a good conference. I mean, it's fine, but it's like well, that's what that's where I look at like. When you look at the AAC now, wouldn't you say it's, it's usually like that? You know, it, it may be a one one better top-tier team. Like, the top tier has three I'm teams. I'm going back to 2019 because I want to use a non-pandemic year as an example. Okay. So let's compare. So in the final AP poll, the Big East was not just considered a power conference. It was a power conference. Yeah. There were back in, before we had Power 5, and that was a thing, mm-hmm. there were AQ conferences and non-AQ conferences. Well, because even in 2013 when the AAC became a It was thing, technically AQ. But by that point, we were yeah. using the Power 5 and Group of 5 yeah. terms. So they were an AQ conference. They were completely considered a power conference. So the only teams that finished ranked were West Virginia finished number six and Cincinnati finished number 17. That's two ranked teams. Last normal college football season, 2019, so the AAC had four teams finish ranked. Memphis at 17, Navy at 20, Cincinnati at 21, UCF at 24. Memphis would have been in that top 10 range if they'd beaten Penn State. I don't think I realized that Navy was ranked at the end of that year. Yeah, they went 11 and 2. And you also had Mem- yeah, yeah. and then you also had SMU who won ten games and didn't finish ranked. Yeah. Uh, the ASC's a better conference. Yeah, no, I, th- I mean I think so. I just think when you compare the two, because if you look at it back in time, like we said, you know the Big East was a power conference. This new proposed it blows it out of the water. Oh th- yeah, without and a doubt. So you know it's the thing is like when you actually like we take the time just now to compare the two. Yeah, I mean the ASC is better now. Yeah, I, looking at that now in my head I was kind of just like ah they're probably on the same level, but no, the ASC is better now. Think about how much better. It is then you know a former power conference. If you add Boise State, BYU, San Diego State, it, it changes it changes a whole lot, and it would look a lot different. People would be, you know, they're buying into the excitement immediately. I think. And yeah, and you're going to have brutal schedules, but one, it'll help recruiting. Yeah, because not only just from the perspective of you know that those teams go to major bowls and players want to play with teams go to major bowls. The more money it means, better facilities than the rest of the group of five, larger coaching staffs than the rest of the group of five, more support more NFL draft picks. So mm-hmm. that feeds on itself. I it, it just it's it would just become a much better conference it feels like. I almost want to revisit this and you know we have to wrap this up pretty quickly, but I almost want to revisit this and approach it from like what if college football in just I don't know a few years has this revamped super AAC and the playoff is expanding. So you talked about the playoff expansion possibilities a couple weeks ago. If you just kind of tie those two things together and say like, what would college football look like if, you know, the playoffs expanded and we're looking at the season from all right, there's this new this new AAC conference. It would just be I think it'd be interesting to to tackle that. So maybe we'll, well you look that. at just in the I mean since 2013. Sorry, I'm counting. <laughs> so since 2013, good. eight group of five teams have gone to a major bowl. Um, eight, eight individual teams, not yeah. like eight programs. Um, seven of the eight have been AAC teams or Boise State. Yeah. Then there was also Western, Western Michigan, Michigan for some reason. But, like, so, it, I mean, once you throw Boise State into the mix, like, the rest of the group of five just is frankly irrelevant compared yeah. to that conference. And that's where that's where I know when we, we referenced, or I referenced the European Super League earlier and how much, like, if that would have happened, how much that would have destroyed the rest of the sport yep. in Europe. I think 
that's another tough like tough part of this happening is that the group the rest of the group of five would be even lower looked at as lower than it is now and you know that's that's tough and that's something i think that those programs would have to deal with and yeah but at what point do we just have to stop supporting the whole group of five this is kind of yeah, what i'm no, talking about where right. ucf fans have this sort of detached relationship with the aac where we talk more about when we're going to get to the big 12 yeah i think it's time to double down on no we can make this a power conference yeah. that's more doable that's doable now we don't have to hold up the entire group of five lifeboat. Just focus on our conference. I try to do it when I post stats on Twitter because I know a lot of people are like, respect the group of five. I'm like, I don't care about the group of five. I care about the <laughs> AAC. The yeah. AAC is better. There are good teams throughout the group of five at the top of every group of five conference except mm-hmm. the MAC. There are good teams. But the AAC is just a better conference, and it's time for us to to fixate on that and not just look ahead to where we'll be in 10 years because it might be here. Yeah, at least the MAC has some action, though. And you know what? I love it because I'm one of those guys where it's Tuesday night and I want to watch college football. <laughs> so I'm going to. I need Shout it. out to the fun belt as well. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It would it would change the landscape of college football completely. And, you know, I think I think you're right. I think we'll see it, you know, pretty soon. I mean, obviously you said not within the next few months. We're not going to announce anything. But I think I wouldn't be surprised to hear more of like kind of the inklings that we've heard. You know, from Boise State, you know, and possibly from from some of these other programs. There's been steady verified noise on Boise State for a year now. Mm-hmm. You don't. This isn't a thing that's not going to happen if they've been talking on and off for a year. Yeah. So it's going to happen eventually. Yeah, it's going to happen eventually, and and you know we'll just we'll continue to keep our eyes open. I have to give one more really quick thought. Yeah. I know we're going long, so you're gonna <laughs> yeah, keep, we're going to do a speed round of news. This well, week. there's not that much news this week to be fair. That's true because there's no more sports. Sports, um, <laughs> except for baseball for some reason. Um, softball. And so, well, softball actually on the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's a little different. <laughs> but, um, wow, I had a point. I don't know what it was. What were we just talking about? We were talking about uh, AAC expansion. Oh, I know that. But you said <laughs> something and it triggered a thought I really wanted to get. Oh, I remember what it was. You know what will expedite Boise State going to the AAC? What? If UCF beats them. Yeah. Because if Boise beats UCF, then they can claim the whole, aha, Mountain West is better, whatever. But they can't. Yeah, well, they, they're going to try. Yeah. But if they lose, because yeah. then if they lose, and I know UCF, it, we think UCF will be good this year, but the take is going to be, Boise State is the best the Mountain West has to offer year in and year out, and they just lost to the fourth best team in the AAC last year. Yeah. So then it just expedites everything. But yeah. anyway, on to the news. <laughs> yeah, on, on to the news uh, as we'll, we'll kind of run through this. It's not a ton to get through this time. Um, it's going to be even less next week. But only a, only all sports thing we have is we actually have a final score for the all sports War on I-4 trophy. Um, UCF clinched it, I think, like almost a month ago. Sure. But uh, the UCF finished with 53.25 points, and USF had 24.75 and as Christian continues to point out on Twitter, I don't know that USF even keeps track anymore because I'm tr- not, I've literally scrolled back. I can't find any USF Twitter account, like official account, that's tweeted about it in like three years. It's never been close, and that's you know that's a whole other topic. I think we're going to talk about eventually is that you know it would be kind of a lot better if if those two teams were were competing. I really want to have wasn't a podcast. Just, you know, UCF wrecking everyone. Uh, the only other bit of all sports news is that the Charge on Tour you know had its Space Coast stop uh, earlier this week. Nothing. I didn't really see anything that came out of that. I did see Johnny Dawkins was wearing a Citronaut polo, yes. and was he revealed it on a, um, on the video they put out. And I also saw there was a um, mannequin that had the 2019 space helmet on it. So if that happens to be a thing uh, at the Oviedo stop that we're gonna try to get, we're gonna get to next week. Uh, I'm gonna have to probably restrain Christian, make sure he doesn't. Do you remember steal the steal anything back in 2019? Do you remember we were going to the men's soccer game with Sarah? And there was a volleyball game going on at the same time, and I found out that there was that was before the space game had been played, but they just showed the uniform. I found out there was yeah. a full mannequin with the helmet, and everything in the volleyball game. So I, I left to go to the volleyball <laughs> game 
to just hang out in the lobby and look at the space helmet. Oh my gosh, yeah, we got to make sure you don't steal one of those if, if that's uh, showing up at the Oviedo stop. Uh, football, uh, Pro Football Focus had another list come out. They listed its most valuable returning quarterbacks for 2021 based on you know its own wins above average metric. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was ranked number two behind only Sam Howell. Um, Christian, you know who wasn't in the top five? Uh, let me think. Desmond Ritter? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't in the top five. Maybe that's because he's not good. <laughs> um, that's that's three weeks in a row, I think. that We're just doubling. We're tripling down on just us saying bad things about Desmond Ritter. and then I know. How if bad. he has a huge year. It's so bad to triple down on the truth that Desmond Ritter is <laughs> maybe not even a top three quarterback in the I'm at least season. open to the possibility that I, we could be proven wrong. Congrats on riding the coattails of your team's really good defense, <laughs> Desmond Ritter. Um, former UCF quarterback Blake Bortles signed with the Green Bay Packers to take over for Aaron Rodgers. I'm just going to speak that into existence. Go Pack Go. Um, <laughs> from a Bears fan. Uh, I also saw earlier uh, this week that uh, footballschedules.com tweeted that, I guess per an ESPN release, uh, next Thursday, May 27th, we'll get uh, college football schedule news for, I guess, the first three weeks and special date games. Um, and that they also would expect that conference TV schedules may also get released the same day. So... Which might, it's like the most open secret in the world at this point yeah. that UCF Boise is going to be a Thursday night game. So yeah, I'm assuming that'll just actually get announced. We should actually get a, an official announcement on that and, and some other stuff uh, next week. Men's basketball, uh, officially, it will be playing Florida State in the Orange Bowl Classic uh, this December. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it was officially reported uh, earlier on Thursday. Uh, USF versus Florida is the other matchup. And this is actually the first time in the 27-year history of this uh, Orange Bowl Classic that all four teams are coming from Florida, which I think is hilarious. Oh yeah, it was a it was strange strange little fact that 27 years have gone by and they just this is the first time. Uh, women's basketball they have announced that a trio of seniors, Masni Kaba, Cortesia Sanders, and Janiah Walker, will return to UCF for the 2021-2022 season, which means the entire starting five is now back. And I think I said every letter winner is back. So that's freaking huge. That's that's huge. I think they'll get a chance to probably right some of the wrongs for the way their season ended this year. Um, thanks to that that ill-timed injury to Diamond Battles. But, um, yeah, great news there for women's basketball. Uh, softball, they won uh, 3-2 against USF in the AAC tournament semifinal last Friday before losing 7-4 in the tournament final against Wichita State on Saturday. They finished uh, the regular season, I guess, well, post the, the conference tournament. They're 39-17-1 right now, 16-7-1 in the AAC, and they were just receiving votes in all the, um, the major polls. Four players were named to the all-tournament team. It was Jasmine Esparza, Denali Schapacher, uh, Gianna Mancha, and Elise Volpe. And UCF found out uh, on Sunday that they had earned a their first regional bid to, uh, you know, the NCAA regional bid since 2016. They're going to the Tallahassee Regional this weekend, and they'll open up against Auburn on Friday. Uh, Florida State and Kennesaw State are the other two teams in the regional. And on Thursday, the NFCA named its Mideast all-region teams. Aaliyah White was named to the first team uh, with a 182 ERA, 151 strikeouts, and a 195 opponent batting average. On the second team was Jasmine Esparza with her 361 average, 15 doubles, and 9 home runs. And then on the third team, Gianna Mancha and her 238 ERA, 135 strikeouts, and 1.13 whip were on the third team. And finally, Jada Cody, who hit 324 with 7 home runs and 43 runs, um, was on the third team as well. So I just threw a lot of numbers at all of you, and hopefully you can absorb all that um baseball they lost three out of four at Tulane over the weekend losing five to four and nine to one on Friday they won six to four on Saturday and got out to a good start on Sunday hoping to get a series split but they lost 14 to seven everything kind of just unraveled late for them uh that sent them to 24 and 28 overall and 14 and 14 in the AAC that would have them tied for fourth in the AAC but as we're recording this a little bit earlier the 
final regular season series started uh, at home against Houston, and UCF got a 3-1 win. Uh, the first game of Thursday's doubleheader, uh, the second game I'm assuming is going on right now as we're speaking. UCF is up one to nothing in the third. Well, that's good news there. They and, will lose. Okay, well, Christian's just being negative here. But uh, baseball is now 25 and 28 uh, overall, 15 and 14 in the AAC before the result of the second game of Thursday's doubleheader. 15 and 15 in the AAC. Okay. Um, men's soccer, we missed this last week because we it came out as we were recording, but Yanni Slearman was named uh, United Soccer Coach's second team All American. Uh, congratulations to him and the uh, team as, as a whole was ranked number 13 in the final season rankings um, of the year. And women's soccer, they had former Knight Kanya Plummer was called up by the Jamaican national team to face Nigeria and the United States women's team in June. Women's tennis, their season came, unfortunately, to an end on Sunday in the Sweet 16, losing 4-3 to to number 18 Duke. They fell behind 3-0. I texted Christian and was like, oh, looks like this is over. And then they came back to make it 3-3 just to give us enough hope only to lose a heartbreaker 4-3, but still a 20-5 season overall in a sweet 16 appearance. Again, uh, really good for women's tennis, and I think they're still obviously trending in the right direction. Uh, men's golf, Johnny Travail shot under five, uh, five under par in the Tallahassee Regional, finished 13th, and his season is now over. Um, the outdoor track and field uh, AAC championship meet was in Tampa last weekend. UCF has a team earned fifth, and they earned the final six four and I four points uh, in the 2020-2021 season. Uh, Renaya Jones was named the AAC Freshman of the Year after the meet. She accounted for 20 of UCF's 71 team points at the meet. Uh, she won and set an AAC meet record in the 100-meter hurdles. Ashera Collins won the triple jump, and Charlotte Crook earned a spot on the podium in the 1,500-meter run while matching the school record time in that event. Um, and on Thursday, we found out that eight knights are going to Jacksonville for the NCAA preliminary round. Renaya Jones will participate in the 100-meter hurdles and 100-meter dash. Alexis Woodley will be in the 100-meter hurdles as well. Latasha Smith will be in the 400-meter dash. Charlotte Crook in the 1,500-meter run. Selena Wright in the 400-meter hurdles. Jasmine Scott Kilgo in the long jump. And Ashera Collins and Kiara Lee in the triple jump. So eight of them in the uh, NCAA preliminaries next weekend. And rowing, they uh, failed to, to continue their uh, dominance of the AAC. They finished second at the AAC championship race. Behind number 12, SMU, which means the Mustangs earned the auto bid to the NCAA championships. Uh, Jasmine, Julie Poulsen, Leslie Lajoie, I think I'm saying that right. It was it's a French name, and I'm really bad at those. You looked at me like I was going to know how to say it. I don't know. I don't know if you know French. Uh, and Mia Cleary, they were named to the All-AAC first team, while Elena Esteban and Amy Van, Amy Van Ryan were named to the second team, All-AAC. And that really uh, almost wraps up the, the sports season for 2020-2021. And, uh, because uh, the road ahead, softball has the Tallahassee Regional starting Friday against Auburn, and that's a double elimination uh, four-team tournament. And if you know if they can emerge as the winner of that regional, then their season will obviously continue playing the winner of the Baton Rouge Regional uh, in a best of three. Baseball has their four-game weekend series to close the regular season against Houston this weekend, and then they'll start the AAC tournament on Tuesday in Clearwater. And unless they can win that, their season will be over by the next time uh, we record, I think. They could still be playing, I guess, but their season could end next week if unless they win that tournament. And then, of course, outdoor track and field, like I said, has their NCAA pl preliminary rounds. So we're down to the very end of spring season here, and we're about to hit those summer days. Without college sports, going to be tough, but we have a lot to talk about. Christian and I actually did our planning for, for some of the next few weeks last last week, and we've got a lot of fun things to talk about. So stick with us for sure. Uh, a lot of fun coming. And speaking of fun, Christian, your uniform of the week. We'll run down our previous winners, 
Uh, men's soccer is a five-time winner. Women's basketball, a one-time. Baseball, a four-time winner. And uh, football, a one-time winner. And last week, softball became a one-time winner. And we'll see what your uniform of the week is here for episode 18. So my UCF uniform winner of the week for episode 18 is a team that uh, this might be the only uh, win they get the rest of the way here. It's uh, UCF baseball. Um, mm. I'm picking there that they just wore earlier today. They went those hats that I love, the gold hat with the black brim that Beautiful. they introduced a couple weeks ago, and they wore it with their black jersey with the script knights with the gold sleeves. It is such a good, I almost said helmet, <laughs> ready for football season, hat to jersey combo. The you know, only some thing people in football call helmets hats for some reason. And, and I hate it. I don't You like can that. get away with lids, you can't get away with hats. Um, now, they did wear white pants, which I know that's what you do in baseball. Yeah. I'd like to see it with gold pants. I can't ever imagine that being a thing. No, I mean, no, I'm saying it would probably look good, but it look good. baseball teams, I don't... I, so this is, I know it's like tradition, but I don't care. Wear with gold pants. It would look great. <laughs> if Vanderbilt can wear freaking all black with pinstripes, we can get away with gold pants. I mean, yeah, they could, I guess. I just, I don't so, see it happening. So, yeah, congrats to baseball on winning it again. I believe that is going to be their fifth win. Yeah, they are a five-time um, winner, and they're tied with so men's they're tied soccer. they're tied with men's soccer, and we'll have to see if they can break the tie next week. Uh, just kidding. Um, I've decided to announce that I'm ending uniform of the week for the time being. We will resume when in fall. I just we're just at the point where I'm just picking between baseball and softball every week, and that doesn't seem fair to the other teams. That it's sure just it like does. that it's just like one of you's gonna win. So I've decided to put uniform of the week on hold for the rest of the summer. Pain. Right, we're gonna do is a little something else at the end of the podcast here from now on. But for now, until the spall, uh, the, the I, I just mix sports and fall into the spall. That's so that's something. Ball. When the sports <laughs> resume in fall, I will resume uniform of the week, and many more teams will win many more for great uniforms. Many more teams, meaning probably football. Probably football <laughs> most weeks. I'm going to have to oh, figure football, out. I don't know. Football will go up against that, that blackout kit for men's soccer. So we're, there's going to be a point where, yeah, football and men's soccer. Because men's soccer is kits I really like. They have the gray, too, and mm. with the black pants. So it's it's going to be interesting some weeks. It we'll could be, see. yeah. We will, we will see how that goes. But for the time being, yeah, we'll put that on hold. And it's actually kind of fitting, I think. or It's kind of just interesting that as we're putting it on hold, men's soccer and baseball are tied at five-time winners for the lead. Exactly, and, and football's got some catching up to do. They only have one win, even though they haven't played since this <laughs> podcast started. So. Yeah, I don't think it'll take too long for football, unless they just decide to go crazy and mess with Christian's heart. And, we'll see. And, but we will see come fall. But until then, and until next week's episode 19, we want to thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Twitter, at BaileyJAdams22, and at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow also, at Night Sports Now. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.